Good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well. October the 23rd, 2006, and I have, I guess as of Friday afternoon, I have tried downing the resolution of the videos that I'm taking in my car. Uh, I'm using a Microsoft Life Cam, and I just sort of noticed that for the first few seconds, maybe 10 or 15, it was very smooth, and then it got kind of herky-jerky for the remainder, which wasn't so evident when I kept my face still, but I'm quite animated. So I wanted to make sure that you <laughs> didn't get that sort of uh, stop frame uh, animation that uh, is uh, is not the goal of Freedom Aid Radio. We aim to introduce enlightenment, not uh, uh, Tourette's or epilepsy uh, or anything like that. So I've downed the resolution and I've tested the audio. I believe that the audio is still recording at 64 kps. Uh, despite the video settings, I do have another program I'm going to test out. I would ideally like to up the audio quality and keep the video quality not so high, but uh, that's not an option in Windows Movie Maker, so I'm going to give it another shot because I normally record in... Uh, I used to record in WAV before I did the videos, but uh, given the number of video hits uh, we're getting, uh, I just wanted... I thought it might be worth keeping the videos going while still satisfying the audio, and of course I did by a fantabulous Sony microphone, which is uh, uh, up the audio quality, I think, even more than it has dipped through the uh, introduction of video. So we shall see. So as uh, promised, and for those of you who are watching the videos only, um, you can take them to go <laughs> as well. Um, you can um, uh, go to freedomainradio.com. There's a feed there, or there is a... Uh, some uh, links on the first page which take you to the shows which you can download and you can also go to listen in the shows are broken up to uh, sort of podcast zero to podcast 272 uh, and then I ran out of um, space on the feed burner feed which can only be 256k sorry about all the geeky introductions but uh, uh, the reason that I'm telling you all of this you can so get the audio uh, stuff because I did one on Sunday which is about uh, sort of an introduction to the one that we're talking about now, or the one I'm going to talk about this morning. And you might also, uh, if you are so inclined and wanted to hear somebody other than me talking in this show, which I'm sure would be quite a relief for you, then you can uh, go by there as well, because we also have uh, shows on Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I think it was 5, 5 uh, minus Greenwich. And on those shows, uh, I actually sort of yeah, people call in, and uh, uh, we have sort of criticisms, and we hammer the ideas out a little bit more closely, and we cover just about every topic <laughs> that you could imagine. And uh, also, I guess the last thing I'll say, uh, this is not uh, another request for donations, although I'm sure you'll know that'll come at some point. But uh, also, you can get, uh, we've introduced a new feature, uh, we're up to show number two, uh, called Ask a Therapist. Um, of course, most of the first emails was, why is why as a therapist would you marry staff? Other than, you know, perhaps PhD material. But uh, people have write, uh, written in with some very uh, great questions about, um, uh, questions about to do with psychology, relationships, work issues, family issues, and so on, parent-child issues. And uh, my lovely wife, who practices psychology, has... Uh, kindly offered to um, uh, give people her uh, feedback on these issues. So that's another feature, but that's audio only um, because she's so lovely that the camera simply explodes. So we have to go with audio only for that. Uh, 
And so I just wanted to sort of mention that for the people who are doing the videos only that there's a treasure trove, I tell you. Actually, I'm almost 260 members on the Free Domain Radio boards. There are 25,000 posts, and it's a great, um, I think it's a great venue to uh, hash out ideas. I've certainly learned an enormous amount uh, from a very civil, very positive, very w wise, uh, enlightened, and great crew that is out there uh, toiling away, trolling away for your benefit on the Free Domain Radio boards. So uh, you might want to come by and check those out, freedomainradio.com forward slash B-O-A-R-D. Okay, enough, enough uh, of the uh, goody dangling. <laughs> Let's get on to the topic of the morning. This is a topic that I have a tough time with. Um, it's not syllogistic, but it's powerful. And it may be syllogistic, I just can't, uh, I can't sort of exactly figure out how, but it is a very powerful topic to talk about. And it is really to do, I, I was talking on Sunday, I'm not going to recap, but uh, I was talking about I have this relationship to work that's a little sort of basic and Protestant. And by that, I mean that uh, I feel uneasy unless I'm you know, making great strides, contributing to the spread of freedom and wisdom as best I can uh, during the course of a day. I feel uh, uh, that it's uh, not a good thing to do. If uh, I feel sort of uneasy if I can't get that sort of stuff done. And that's not good, right? That's really not good because uh, I'm all about the freedom. And if I don't have the freedom to not talk about freedom, that's not really being free. If you'd like to pretzel your brain a little around that one, uh, it's uh, anything which then becomes a positive uh, obligation to you. Uh, by positive, I mean you should. A, a thou shalt rather than a, than a thou shalt not. Or a thou shalt not is not very restrictive, right? Don't kill, don't steal, uh, don't uh, don't assault, don't rape, uh, don't cheat, right? I mean, those are, I would say, those are negative obligations. They're all don't, right? And I think that those uh, are universal, ethical, valid, as I've talked about in an article called Proving Libertarian Morality. You can find on my blog. Okay, one more at freedomain.blogspot.com. But... I, uh, I strenuously resist positive obligations, not because I'm lazy, <laughs> but because they don't exist. And I just think it's a bad idea to imagine that there are things in your life which you have to do, which you don't actually have to do. And that uh, forestalls a lot of pleasure in one's life. And it forestalls a lot of morality in one's life. So, for instance, of course, if you have... Uh, if I have a positive obligation which says I must podcast twice a day, then it's not actually a good thing for me to do it. It's just I'm doing it because I fear I fear being bullied by myself if I don't, right? So that's not really a very good approach to freedom and happiness, to say that I must do two podcasts a day and compile them and post them and edit them and <laughs> update the feed and blah, 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 blah. If I say that I have to do all of those things, then I do them because I'm, I'm afraid of the emotional consequences of not doing them, right? And that's, and that's not really very free. Uh, it's not a positive, beneficial, po like, it's not a positive thing that I'm doing then. I'm just escaping a negative thing, which is fear. It's like calling your parents that you don't like because you feel guilty, right? That's not, uh, to escape a negative state is not the same as achieving virtue. That's, that's sort of the basic, oh my God, I could have distilled yesterday down into something that pithy. Oh, unthinkable. Let's just hope that I couldn't get to the pithy without the lengthy. So, I was talking with Christina yesterday afternoon about this sort of question. 
you know, it's quite a fascinating discussion because, uh, you know, she comes from a Greek uh, heritage. So, of course, uh, like most uh, European or Mediterranean families, uh, Saturday morning, the boys got to sleep in and the girls had to get up and clean the house. And this was just a you have to, right? And I sort of asked her, I said, you know, what would be like, what would happen if you said I would rather do X than clean the house? And she said, well, I would be tolerated for a half hour, 40 minutes, but then it would be like, okay, okay, come on, come on, up, 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 right? It would be like, uh, there would be no uh, possibility of not doing it. And I find this really quite fascinating. And I know that when I was a child, I had a great desire to sort of help, right, help people. And I also know that uh, I have uh, nieces uh, that sadly I can't see because of the issues with my brother, but... Uh, when uh, I was younger, I remember taking them, as I mentioned once before, to uh, to do laundry. I had to do laundry. Uh, I had them for the evening, which was great, and they were very young. So I took them to the laundromat. And I just remember how much they wanted to help. Right? I didn't ask them to. I was perfectly content to do sort of my own folding and sorting. But they really, really wanted to help. And they wanted to learn about it and they, you know, and this sort of stuff, right? And I just remember feeling that was quite, it was quite an emotional experience for me, as I'm sure a lot of things to do with kids are, innocence and purity and all that sort of stuff. But they really wanted to help, and they did a great job helping, I mean, to the degree that they were able. And, yeah, of course, it's certainly possible once the novelty wore off, they'd just see it as a chore and so on. But I sort of have the feeling, and, you know, uh, touch wood, let's find out uh, once I become a dad, but... I sort of have a feeling that it's possible to get people enrolled or to motivate them, uh, children in particular, into uh, helping and being positive and doing the things that you'd like for them to do without sort of screaming at them and bullying them and, and uh, coming in and just, you know, uh, uh, having it as an, as an absolute that they have to help and not appealing to any of their sort of self-interest or anything like that. Uh, so, uh, and this is, again, this comes, I also worked in a daycare for a couple of years when I was younger and spent a lot of time around kids. And I was able to do that kind of stuff by appealing to a positive rather than threatening a negative. And so when I think of my own sort of history around the question of work when I was a child, I would say that without a doubt, I mean, I really can't think of any particular exceptions to this, and maybe, maybe you can. I really can't think of any exceptions to the basic rule that... A child was lazy and selfish. Lazy and selfish. And I know that we're in this. I was, you know, I was a kid in the early 70s, pretty much when this stuff was going on, early to mid 70s. And maybe it's all changed now. I'm not sure that it has, but <laughs> but kids, uh, children are uh, lazy, lazy and selfish. Uh, lazy and selfish. They don't want to help. They just want to sit around. They don't want to get involved. They just want to be wasted on hand and foot. Uh, you know, they don't want to pick up their toys. Uh, they don't want to uh, uh, clean up after themselves. Uh, they couldn't be bothered uh, to take their shoes off when uh, they come in uh, from, from outside so that you know, the muddy linoleum floors and so on. And, and they, just, they just don't want to help. And you have to enact them and you have to bully them and you have to conjole them and you have to wheedle them and you have to bribe them. Uh, to get them to do, to get them to help. And I find this just an absolutely fascinating thesis. It certainly was not my emotional experience as a child. 
I wanted to help, but I wanted to be respected. I mean, that sort of is the is the basis, right? Uh, in the show Prison Break, of course, the the prisoners are all seen by the guards as like lazy and skiving and cheating and thieving and so on. And of course they are, right? But for the guards, it's like, well, you're in here because you're a you're a bad person. And you'll notice that there are no drug offenders in Prison Break, right? They probably couldn't have got the co the they probably couldn't have got the cooperation of the authorities to film in John Wayne Gacy's cell if they had um, actually shown how many nonviolent offenders there are in prisons, right? They all have to be these you know, violent or thieving people. And uh, the black guy who's in there, uh, this is nothing, uh, I think, that's giving anything away, uh, but the black guy who's in there, uh, who's uh, ex-army, uh, he's not arrested for transporting... Um, for transporting... Um, uh, drugs, but for transporting stolen goods, right? It's, a, it's a, the great dirty secret you can't talk about, how many nonviolent offenders are bound up in the criminal system, but anyway, we'll get back to that another time. <laughs> but the guards view the children this way, and I guess I'd sort of like to open up the kettle of worms that is the cause and effect of these supposed traits in children. Because certainly if you do not respect children, then they will not want to uh, do work with you. They will not want to contribute. Uh, people who are not respected do not want to contribute. Now, of course, parents would say, I believe, that it's not that I didn't respect my child. It's that I kept asking my child to do things, and my child didn't do those things, and therefore I lost respect for my child. That's generally the sequence that people talk about when they're talking about the relationship that they end up with with children. I would submit that that's entirely not true. I would totally and completely submit that that is entirely not true. That parents do not respect their children. Uh, they view them as little toys, not as... Yeah, I mean, I think kids are pretty brilliant, pretty perceptive, pretty uh, amazing. And parents do not view these children as uh, you know, they're, they're sort of retarded little toys for a lot of parents, frankly. You know, they're cute, they're exasperating, uh, they're exhausting, uh, they're a burden. And a lot of times, it's a great dark secret of parenthood. A lot of parents don't really enjoy being parents, right? They get sort of sledgehammered with all of this work, and they have all of their issues, and the kids are, uh, they're ruining the kids, and they know that they're ruining the kids, but they have to blame the kids, right? I mean, this is not all, of course, this is not all parents, but this is a, a good good number of them. And... So they really don't have a good time with their children. And so they end up yelling at their kids or being exasperated with their kids or being always, always being inconsistent with their kids, right? Because a lot of parents have kids in the hopes that uh, being loved is going to make them feel happy. In other words, the parents being loved by the children are going to make them feel happy. And so what happens is they don't discipline the children with any consistency. Uh, by discipline, I just mean sort of firm guidance kind of thing, right? Uh, uh, the super nanny stuff. So they don't discipline their children with any consistency because they don't want to not have their children's affection. They don't want to threaten uh, their, ch their children's affection for them. And so they go for the short-term easy answers and uh, uh, are inconsistent and therefore uh, end up with the children don't respect them and the children don't want to obey them because the children like totally get emotionally that the parents just want them to do stuff for the parents convenience and the parents are not addressing a simple reality like a simple basic reality 
And the simple basic reality that、uh, parents don't talk about is, if you have to bully someone to do something, then obviously it's not a fun thing to do, right? It's not an enjoyable thing to do. It's not a satisfying thing to do.、Uh, you don't have to bully. You don't have to bully children to watch Saturday morning cartoons because, you know, the Saturday morning cartoon makers are very much attuned to what children want and try and provide them what pleases them and so on. It's sort of the free market side of child raising,、uh, child uh, uh, entertainment. But what happens、uh, with parents is that parents say you have to do X, you have to clean up your stuff, you have to clean up your stuff, go clean up your stuff. Why haven't you cleaned up your stuff? I'm not going to come up there and clean up your stuff for you. I'm not going to do that for you. All this kind of stuff. Anyway,、um, so the parents are sort of saying to the children, you have to do X. In other words, they're saying to the to the children that you have to be. Uh, you have to be disciplined. You have to take care of yourself, and you have to take care of your stuff, and so on. But of course, the parents aren't exhibiting that behavior, and this is what I mean when I say children are brilliant. They totally get this. They totally get this. And so the question then becomes: Well, why? Why do I have to clean up my room? It's sort of the the age-old question of teenagers, right? It's like just close the door if you don't want to look at it. Why do I have to clean up my room? And parents really can't come up with a good answer, right? Because a good answer would be something that involved self-interest. Right, but when you bully someone to do something, you are automatically saying it's not in their self-interest to do it. It's in your self-interest that they do it, but it's not universal. And again, I'm not saying that kids pass it down in this way, but they totally get it instinctually. Right, because they're born philosophical. We have to make them mystics uh, uh, over time. We have to grind them into a fine conformist powder over time. But they're born rational. They're born philosophical, and they're born wise. So you know when the when the mom screeches at the kid, you have to clean up your room. There's a whole lot that she's saying to the kid at that point.、Uh, she's saying, "I don't respect you to do the right thing.、Uh, you do the wrong thing. I I do the right thing, and I know the right thing, and I'm telling you to do the right thing, and I don't like you for not doing the right thing. I think you're a bad kid for not doing the right thing." And that they know that they're not speaking the truth, right? Right. The truth would be something like this: the mom would say, "Look." I feel uncomfortable when your room is messy, because I was raised to have a clean house. So I need you to clean up your room as a favor to me to alleviate my stress, my tension. I don't like that your room is messy. It makes me anxious. It makes me upset because I'm afraid that someone's going to come in and see it. And criticize me for being a bad mother. It reflects poorly on me. My ego is invested in the tidiness of your room, and I need you, or I would like you, to clean your room so that I can reduce my anxiety, my fear of being criticized as a mother. I mean, a teenager could totally hear that, and that's really what's going on. I'm not saying that all. Uh, all desire for tidiness arises from a fear of criticism on the part of mothers, in particular. But I'm not saying that at all. There's, you know, there's great value in tidiness.、Uh, let's just say I'm not going to pan the webcam around my car anytime soon. But there is great value, and this is one of the things I've learned from from being married. There is great value in tidiness. You save time, save save energy. So it becomes a self-interest thing for me, on a number of levels. To keep things more tidy than I would have when I was a single man, 
Uh, obviously, uh, I am sensitive to the fact that if I don't tidy it up, then my wife will tidy it up, and I don't want to put more work on her. That's obviously a basic sensitivity that's involved in this. But also, I can find things more quickly, right? Uh, to get everything ready the night before, especially the you know, CES show that I have running in my car here, to have all this stuff ready the night before is hugely beneficial. Less running around, less stress, less panic, less having to drive fast and all that kind of stuff. So that's just a matter of sort of preparation. Right, so that's just something I do. And Christina has never, she asked me to do stuff, but she never, there's never an act. Never, not once. And um, she, uh, she helps me to see the value through demonstrating behavior. She helps me to see the value of tidiness and neatness and so on. And it's nicer. It's a nicer environment. And so I do that now for my own self-interest, not to uh, nobody ever wants to do anything fundamentally nobody ever wants to do anything to uh, to shore up somebody else's anxiety to stave off somebody else's anxiety they might want to do that if the person who is asking them to do something says the speech I gave earlier you have to do it because I feel anxious when you don't it's a favor to me it's a it's a weird thing on my part but I would really appreciate it you ask it as a quirky favor you know, like if if uh, if you have a, uh, I remember having this with uh, with a girlfriend once. This is amazing things that I used to put up with when I was uh, dating. Uh, I went out with a woman, and as it turned out, she preferred when the when we were walking along the sidewalk that the man walk curbside and the woman walk inside, right? Now I'd never really heard of that. Uh, it didn't really make much sense to me. I mean, it's not like if a if a truck comes barreling up, my body is going to prevent it from hurting her or something. But this was her quirk, right? And uh, maybe it's more common that I've just never heard of it, right? And uh, so she said to me, uh, it's uh, something like, uh, that's what men do. You know, that's what men do. They walk on the outside. Now, there's a whole lot packed into that statement that began to unravel things for us, right? Which was that she didn't say, look, it's just, it's the way I was raised. I, I would really prefer it. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's not something you have to do, but it would certainly make me feel better. I'd be like, absolutely, sure, no problem. doesn't hurt me. I'm perfectly content to do it. If it makes you feel better, so much the better. Uh, that's great. right? But when she basically used the argument for morality, or in this case, the argument for masculinity, then it was like, uh, you are not a man because you don't do this. Right? You are somehow deficient in masculinity because you don't do this and you don't know this. In other words... It's a bad thing to do what you're doing, uh, to, to walk sometimes on the outside and sometimes on the inside, and you, are, as a man, are deficient for not knowing this and doing it, and a real man, you know, this is all the implications, right? A real man would, would do it uh, and know to do it just, you know, by the by, right? And, uh, of course, I completely lost it, and then I didn't want to do it because I felt bullied, right? And so, well, anyway, we don't have to get into all of that, but uh, this is sort of the, the, the genesis of, resistance, right, of disobedience, of lack of respect, is that people aren't just telling the truth. And when people aren't telling the truth and they're trying to get you to do something, they will always, always, always use the argument for morality. Always, always, always use the argument for morality. And it will be a false argument from morality. But that's absolutely inevitable. It's completely and totally inevitable. Because you always have to exaggerate an irrational deficiency, as we talked about before. An irrational deficiency called clean your room because I feel anxious when you don't is something that 
you have to go overboard covering it up. That's the one thing about it. It's how you, how you spot defenses. They're either canyons or mountains. They're never even, right? So whenever somebody's behavior is jagged or extreme, you've got a defense. And I've been meaning to for a while, and I'll hopefully get to it this afternoon. Uh, talk about the variety of defenses uh, that have been defined in psychological circles. Sorry, a little bit of a yawn there. Uh, I'm on a slow curve, so I can't get my coffee. Oh, but I'm thinking about getting my coffee. Ooh, a deep snort from a straw. Actually, I should probably just uh, uh, put coffee grinds on my uh, ground coffee on my uh, uh, on my microphone and snort it from time to time. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't get me arrested. Um, it's uh, it's Colombian dark, eh? <laughs> it's the it's the foreign accent I do from time to time, which has no specific locale. So, so people, when they want you to do something for themselves to avoid anxiety, but they also want to avoid that they want you to do it, you know, because people feel sort of humiliated, as I talked about or rather yelled about in the podcast on children. They feel humiliated, so they're really not good at asking for things, right? Uh, when you ask s- someone for something in a healthy relationship, then it's a positive thing which builds trust and love and affection. But when you ask some- someone for something on any other relationship, it's a power uh, it's a power situation which uh, is going to end to your detriment in some manner. That's not insignificant, right? You're going to pay for it uh, and so on. Uh, I also remember having a pretty cold-blooded friend when I was younger, I guess in my very early teens. And we went, um, we went dirt biking together. And uh, I didn't have any gloves, right? I was a poor kid. And it was freezing. And my hands are on the... I, I can barely move my hands. It was so cold. And uh, I asked him, you know, he had, these, he had these huge ski gloves, right? And I was like, hey, can I just borrow those for a few minutes to warm my hands up? And he was like, why, uh, why didn't you bring your own gloves? Right? It became a, then it became, you're incompetent for not bringing your own gloves, right? I mean, these are... Uh, oh, these are the, the wonderful crew that I hung out with back then. A bunch of thugs. Anyway, so... Uh, so um, this question of respect uh, really comes from children uh, getting at a fundamental level that they're being lied to and bullied and, and they're being manipulated in a horrible kind of way. And rather than the mom saying, I need you to do this for me because I'm afraid of being criticized and thus, you know, everything that parents demand is a rule, Right. And that's why people who demand irrational things always have to use the argument for morality. So if the mom says, and it could be the dad, but I say if the mom says, you need to clean your room because I get anxious when you don't, I'm afraid of being criticized, then basically what you're saying is you should get other people, you should manipulate other people into doing things that are irrational because of your own fears. I mean, that's the rule, right? That's the rule that parents manifest when they uh, don't have this kind of self-knowledge and aren't willing to face up to their own issues, but instead uh, demand that their children you know, fill in the gaps uh, for their own issues and problems. Uh, So if you put forward to a teenager the principle that you should be afraid of disapproval from your peer group and you should manipulate other people into doing things for you to maintain the respect of bad people in your peer group, then that would be a pretty bad, (laughs) that would be a pretty bad lesson to give a teenager, right? Because, of course, teenagers are always told to avoid peer pressure and to think for themselves and to, you know, whatever, whatever, right? But, of course, their parents don't do anything of the sort, I mean, in a very fundamental way. And this is true also with, with children as well, right? Uh, if, if, say, doing, I don't know, uh, if cleaning the bathrooms is like a living hell, then you have to sort of, I mean, the first thing you have to do is say that to the kid. This sucks. 
right? <laughs> I mean, it's a basic reality check, right? You say to the kid, yeah, I hate doing the bathrooms too. But, it, you know, here's, the, here's, the, here's what happens. You show them a picture of, I don't know, my bathroom when I was 28 or something. You say, this is what happens when you don't clean your bathrooms. Actually, I shouldn't say that. I did clean my bathrooms. But you know what I mean, right? You get mold and you can't get rid of the mold and it starts to smell and, you know, it's just really unpleasant. So this is kind of like nobody wakes up every day saying, my God, I just can't wait to brush my teeth. Right? <laughs> that just gives me a, a fluttery thrill uh, that uh, is uh, almost uh, out of this world in terms of uh, mindless pleasure. Uh, no, it's like you got to brush your teeth, you got to floss and, and use your Listerine because if you don't, uh, you know, things are a whole lot more unpleasant. And nobody sort of gets up and says, ooh, we, you know, tooth, toothbrushing. But it's something you got to do. And I certainly do remember that about the age of seven or six or seven. I was like, because I was used to have to get bullied to brush my teeth, right? Let me smell your breath. But uh, I sort of figured out, hey, they're my teeth. <laughs> you know, they're my teeth. If I don't clean them, bad things will happen. So... This issue around this, this sort of basic idea that children are considered selfish and lazy uh, is total projection on the parts of the parents. Right? Uh, the parents are selfish because the parents want to bully the children into doing things that will avoid the parents' experience of anxiety unjustly because right? the parents are fearful of peer groups and, and wish to have control uh, because they wish to feel power. Right? And if you are uh, a sad enough and pathetic enough and corrupt enough soul that you wish to feel power through power over others, then that's nothing that any sane human being could ever respect. I mean, that, that could never be something that anyone would respect. So from that standpoint, uh, of course parents are, are totally selfish, and to parents are totally lazy, because they're not doing the elemental self-work to say, gee, I wonder why it's important for me that my kid have his room be clean. I, I wonder why it's important to me that this, that, and the other. Why am I getting so upset when this, when I don't get what I want, right? And then, of course, you uh, you mock the kid or get angry at the kid for having a tantrum. And of course, most most parenting is just one long, drawn-out tantrum. To be perfectly frank, I mean, most parenting that that you see is just one long, drawn-out tantrum, and uh, that's a real shame. I'm desperately sad for kids, but uh, this selfish and lazy is a total projection on the part of the parents into the kids. And I'm sort of really committed to fighting this issue in myself around the have-tos, right? Because I was certainly raised uh, both in boarding school and at home and in public schools and so on with the very strong uh, perception or the very strong belief that by my nature I was uh, selfish and lazy and I really um, uh, didn't want to do the right thing. And, you know, if given an inch, I would take a mile and I was totally happy to turf all of my work onto the laboring backs of others and all this kind of nonsense. And I really want to spend, I want to spend the rest of my life. I want to spend the second half of my life laboring under that, uh, that perception because it is fundamentally uh, totally false. And so I'm going to continue to work on it. And I would like to uh, work a little bit more uh, this afternoon on this issue, more from the uh, sort of historical genesis of the idea, uh, which has its roots in some very interesting uh, phenomenon that, uh, that have gone on throughout, I mean, almost all of civilization. I'll talk mostly about sort of Western civilization, but this sort of question of the perception of children, the, the moral perception of children, uh, heavily influenced, of course, by the question, uh, by the issue or belief in, in something like original sin. So I'd like to talk a little bit more about that this afternoon. Uh, I'm absolutely going to give you another 30 seconds of filler. Uh, donate, donate, donate. That would be nice, nice, nice. And uh, because I'm just coming up to a light here, and I certainly don't want to be irresponsible enough. <laughs> 
to attempt to stop the podcast while currently in motion, especially when I'm doing all these curves. Thank you so much for listening. I massively appreciate it. Yours in liberty. Get freedom made in your brain, and I will talk to you soon.